In this episode, my guest and I will be talking about money, but we are not your financial advisors. Any information given here is strictly for educational and entertainment purposes only. Please consult your financial advisor for any advice. Any action you decide to take based on what you hear in this episode is your responsibility. Hey everybody, welcome to another episode of Carry On Friends, the Caribbean American podcast. I'm Carrie Ann. And today's topic is well necessary, very necessary. I mean, we haven't talked about money on the podcast in a while. And this specific topic was suggested to me back in 2018. I recovered it, but boy, 2018, along with COVID, feel like a decade ago. So what I'm doing with this episode is I'm bringing on my podcast, BFF, my brethren, Dallin, back on the podcast to talk about digital currency, like what the NFT, whatever they're talking about. I mean, I have an idea of what it is, but we want to bring the conversation to the people, um, cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, all of these things. And so, Dallin, my brethren, insert the fog on. (laughs) What's going on, Carrie? What's going on, Carry On Friends family? Good to be back. I was, we talked, I I can't remember what we talked about. It's probably something money related last time, too, I'm sure. But it was like a year or two. Indirectly, we were talking about career and how we're using the career and the side hustle to get to the money. Okay, okay, okay. But now now we're going straight full in on the money. So we get to the the half of this thing. Well, yeah, what's going on, everybody? Fake Jamaican accent in the building. What? Whenever I talk to you, I feel like, whoa, I feel I'm fully on a radio show. I feel that radio show vibe. I'm like, ooh, I feel like I'm on like that morning drive show. Yeah, that's what, that's what we do, man. The Carry On Friends syndicated live. And you're listening to 105.7 FM, The Mix. No, no. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I love having you on the podcast. So, Dallin, you were like the first person I thought of when I said, you know, we need to have a conversation about nfts like i feel like every tweet is about either nft um which celebrity just released something in nft cryptocurrency who gamble with cryptocurrency and win money and you know it it can feel like you're missing out it can feel like you're late to the new gold rush it feels like the new gold rush. Yeah, yeah yeah so we want to start with that, and then we ease into like money overall. All right, so let's talk. What, what's the hype about? What's the fuss? So I think if we were to step back a little bit to go at it from the other angle, let's talk about what money really is, or money as we knew it—the traditional money that we think we know, right? So when money, quote unquote, started out, it was created to solve an issue. Like, and the issue was before we started using like the paper money that we're using now, and even the coins and that kind of stuff. When you pay somebody for something, obviously before any of this came on board, it was all barter. Like, okay, you, you have sweet potatoes, I have yam. I give you three yam for two sweet potatoes and we're good. So everybody kind of like barter back and forth. Oh, what you need? You need some plumbing in your house? Okay, well, I'm an electrician. I'll run some wires. You plumb some, to- you know, you run some pipes and everybody's good. And then we move on to the situations where you don't have anything that I actually need, but you need this thing done. So what can you give me that I can use somewhere else? to purchase something, to pay somebody else? What can you give me that's kind of universal and general that somebody else would be willing to take in exchange? So that's where the whole thing, okay, we move to gold, right? So gold was, you know, I, I want to say, I'm just skipping a lot of different things in between, you know, coral shells and all the craziness in between. 
But we moved the actual <laughs> precious metals. I mean, that's a better way to put it. Gold and silver was the thing, you know, copper coin. We said, okay, give me something that's valuable and rare, and I can take that. The problem was, first thing that happened was gold coins and silver coins and so on, they were minted. And normally you would have them minted by specific goldsmiths, right? So the goldsmith would, would rent just like you see a coin with somebody's carry-on's face on it and so on. And it would have their signature on it and that kind of thing. They're, they're, when I say their signature, like they would have some kind of emblem that you know, okay, this was done by so-and-so. This is legit. This is a real pure gold coin. But there are issues, of course, with that where some of these people were mixing in cheaper metals in it. Because as far as you, if you're walking on the street, you don't have a gold testing machine to know whether this is pure or 100% whatever. So th- it's not wash over. Yeah, it's like you know. We, I mean, we're in the Caribbean. I like the reason I like coming on this is I can make on this show is I can make Caribbean references and not worry about it going over people's head. It's like it's like when you ask for gravy on the rice, and you could just watch. You know, you you, you can watch the gravy on something. You already know this ain't gonna taste good. You, you just know that water. You know, what I'm talking about that watery like you see true. They're pouring it on the rice, and you're like, no, you know what? Just cancel the whole auto. Just never mind because just dash it away. Dash it away. <laughs> It's one of those kind of things. So people started, you know, they started mixing mixing the gold, the quote-unquote gold, the different metals that weren't real. Uh, so that was one issue with it, the purity of the gold, so you could know whether you're really getting the real deal. But the bigger problem was portability. If you're buying something small, okay, cool, send me an ounce of gold and I give you this. That's not a big deal. But if you're talking about buying something big, you're trying to buy a house, land, and that kind of stuff, it's really hard to walk around. Or not just hard, it's not safe. Especially in those days, you got horseback going around from one place to the next. It's not safe to be moving around with that level of, I mean, it's not safe right now to move around with that kind of... It's never safe. Exactly. With that kind of level of metal on you. Uh, so that was the issue, the safety and also just the simple portability of it. So someone had a bright idea and they said, you know what we're going to do? What people really need is they want to know that they have the gold and they can get access to it. So this is where you see like banking starting to creep in here just a little bit, where they started issuing a note, right? A piece of paper, essentially. So if I wanted to get a note, I'm going to pay you this. So if I have 100 gold coins, I go and I give it to this person who's a, a trustee. You, you, see, you see the language starting to creep in now where you're hearing the things. Mm-hmm. I get Because I'm trusting you to hold this actual gold for me. And you give me, in your vault, to use a, you know example, and you give me this note that certifies to people that I actually do own XYZ amount of gold and you have it there. So when I go pay Carrie-Anne, I don't need to pick up the physical gold and walk across with it in my back, killing myself to give to you. I give you the piece of paper and you know that at whatever time you decide you want to redeem this gold, you can go down by so-and-so trustee because it says it on the sheet. Here's his address, his phone number. They have phones at that time, but, you know, to, to modernize it. Here's his phone number, WhatsApp, you know, Telegram, everything. You go down there, link my boy, and he will give you the gold that, that I have there for it because he sees the piece of paper. So that's when you move into this stuff where you have the gold set on it. That followed for a long time, well into the 20th century, where the pieces of paper that we have, whether it's U.S. currency or whatever it is, especially the U.S. currency, it was gold-backed, meaning for every dollar, there was a piece of gold, or for every, you know, whatever amount of dollars, there was actually the equal amount, equal value of gold to match it. So we were really just using the paper for the sake of the portability and the safety and the convenience of moving stuff around. However, where this all turned into a, show <laughs> a blank show <laughs> is, that's all it went left yeah this that's is when it went left when i forgot which president it was now but he decided you know what we don't want to have to worry about having enough gold to back up the amount of dollars that we have and we're going to take money off the gold standard and this is where you see trouble starting to happen because if you take money off the gold standard then it's like wait, wait, wait. what are you telling me we could just print as much as we want because yes. we don't actually need to have enough to back it up so 
but it, it'll be cool because once people agree, because it's all money is, you know, an agreement. I could pick up this napkin right now. This is not bounty. I know Caribbean people like good quality paper towels, but this is not. This is some cheap brand. Sorry. This is a no brand paper towel. But if me and you agree that this random ass piece of paper towel, you got, we're not on camera, so you can't see, but this, this beautiful piece of random paper towel, if we agree between me and you that this is worth a million dollars, we're good. If I think it's a million, you think it's a million, we're good. And as ridiculous as that sounds, this is exactly what we're doing all day. Worthless pieces of paper, right? And especially if you're talking about U.S. currency, it can't even wash. The first thing that messed me up was the first time I traveled to, I don't know if it was Europe or South Africa or something like that, and I forgot some money in my pocket, and the, the pants got washed, and the money survived flawless. I was like, what is this trickery? Their money's actually, <laughs> they, they're even using at least, they're at least using some high-quality paper that doesn't mash up, you know, when they get washed. And other countries, we said, if this is for people who haven't traveled that much, you also realize that when you go to other countries, the different bills are different sizes. So that people who yes. see, they can know when you're slipping them a five or a 10 or whatever it is. You know, they've got to modernize the money, but you know. Well, America also have one color money. Everywhere else have pretty it's color just, money. Of, <laughs> I'm saying, they didn't even, they took the money off the gold standard and they didn't even bother to upgrade the money. Like, all right, if we're just going to do paper and just give people a, a load of random water, at least... At least hire a graphic designer on Fiverr. You know, at least go out there and like, you know, give me some good looking useless paper. You know, but anybody yeah. do it. If you just pass around the same old green funny money, whatever it is that, that ripping up and you gotta take the scotch tape and tape it back together. Yeah, usual story. Yes. And this is I'm going to the story because we're gonna get up to the NFTs because it doesn't make sense. You have now where paper is passing around and it's not backed by gold. And it's interesting when you look at the history of this, right? Not to give the background, but something by interest of how this can. It's interesting when you look at the countries that wanted to move off the gold standard. Coincidentally, is the countries that didn't have a lot of gold, like Saudi Arabia, Iraq. These places, you know, they they didn't have any problem keeping on the gold standard. They they got gold over there coming out the ground. Africa and these these countries in Africa, Middle East. This kind of, by the way, Middle East is just North Africa. Sorry for another day. Um, but these countries they didn't have a problem with the whole gold thing because that's what they're accustomed. They've been rocking with this for thousands of years. They understand this gold thing. But what happened? If you don't have gold coming out of growing all over the place, it's uncomfortable for you. You're at a disadvantage. So we gotta take the money off the gold standard to give ourselves the advantage. So now we can just print wherever you want to print. Uh so this is what happens now. Now, when we start creeping into this digital money stuff to fast forward real quick, you have to realize people are talking about cryptocurrency and digital this and that and blah, blah 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 but money's been digital for decades you know when you send money via western union caribbean podcast when you yeah. when you send a money gram and you see i love it. i feel so you see this is you're home i'm you're home. home i'm home you're i go home. on any other podcast and i start talking about you gotta send a money for a money by the way you could be sending ten thousand in it. You send our money. Yeah, send our money. You send our money for for Christmas or because whatever it is, you know that people don't understand. But you send our money via via Western Union, via you know MoneyGram or whatever it is. Nobody is getting on a plane or on a boat and picking up physical ten thousand dollars or five hundred dollars and sailing it over to Jamaica or Saint Lucia. Nobody's doing that. Like if you if you buy something from Amazon, nobody's going on by your bank where you just deposited the money and physically moving it over to Amazon. But no, it's been digital. The computer in your bank account goes down. The computer in the other one goes up. And as far as we're concerned, money has moved. Has any money actually moved? No, because it's been digital. Right? So I think that's the first thing people to understand that this is not the idea of quote unquote digital money is not brand new. This has been, whew, this has been decades, centuries going on. So people have been moving money this way for a long time. 
However, the difference now when we start, so when you talk about when you talk about US currency, euros, all that kind of stuff, we call those fiat con- currencies. You might hear that bounce b- b- around as well. So whenever you hear somebody say talking about they try to bust it down with the, the fancy term and say, oh well, you know, it's not a fiat currency. All they're talking about is like traditional stuff. Government controlled, government backed, US dollar, euros, Jamaican dollars, whatever, pounds. They're talking about the basic stuff that you're accustomed to hearing. The way the boats are getting rocked now is when you start talking about digital currencies and crypto, this is the divide. With the regular, quote unquote, fiat currencies, because we're in class and that's the term we just used, so we're going to use it now in a sentence. (laughs) The fiat currencies is the traditional ones that we just used. Those are controlled and issued by central banks of government. So they control how much is out there. They get to control how much it's worth. So you might hear about the Federal Reserve change the interest rate or the exchange rate of X country is now... Uh, less or more compared to the other one. They can control all that stuff. Somebody could wake up tomorrow and they, oh, you, you live in the Caribbean all the time. You say, oh, the value of EC gone down or the value of, of J- Jamaican dollars gone up to, you know, it was 81, now it's 83. This and that. They can control all that stuff, right? They can pull the, they, they can puppeteer it. Uh, they can just go in a meeting and the, the, the Federal Reserve presidents and of the different, different reserve banks and they get together and the central banks and they decide, you know what? You know what? We don't like your country. Tomorrow, your money is not worth that much. You know, $100 tomorrow, yesterday is now only worth $80 because we vexed with you. They could do that kind of stuff. Oh, my gosh. I remember, and I'm going to age myself. I remember when I was growing up and I could, like, I think the U.S. dollar to the Jamaican dollar was like 50 cents yeah. you know, or something like that. Yeah. But this was way, way back in the day. Yeah. And I was more excited to get Cayman money right. versus U.S. money. And it, just to see how... You know, I went to Jamaica the other day and it's like one U.S. dollar is like a hundred Jamaican dollars or something like that. Yeah, I'm like, it's what crazy. Jesus Cra- is happening? I mean, it caught me off guard. The first time I went to Jamaica, I, I mean, I knew the currency was different, but it doesn't hit you until the first time you buy something. I went to buy, I was in, this, this is just to show off my Jamaican-ness, my slight, my, my fake Jamaican-ness. I was in, I think I was in Ligany uh, by Sovereign. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm. And I can't remember, I, I might have been at the same Island Grill I told you to go and get it. I was at Island Grill or the Wendy's across the street. Uh, on, I think it's Hope Road I was on. And I go into this place and we order something simple, a regular Wendy's, a sandwich and some fries. And the lady hit me like, it's a grand 200. I was like, wait, wait, what do you mean? Wait, what, 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 what you, hold up, hold up. Because we arrived the night before. I said, what the hell? I'm looking at, first of all, I panicked because I was like, I don't have that kind of money. Then I, wait a minute, what the hell? We're in Wendy's. Why are you charging me this kind of money? And then if somebody nudged me, like, no, man, it's just, it's J8. I was like, oh, 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 yeah, 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 yeah. Run it, run it, run it, run it. <laughs> um, so that's the problem with the fiat currency. You you know, people can puppeteer it. The people, the central governments and the politicians and you know, the Federal Reserve Bank, they can puppeteer it and, and it moves up and down. The thing that tripped up with the, that tripped them up with the digital currencies now, when you start talking about crypto and Bitcoin and that kind of stuff, is that it's not controlled by a central government yet, right? I'm going to get to the yet why in the just like it's not controlled by the central government. It's an open market kind of thing because the value of it, it's a, it's a tricky one to explain because people are going to argue back and forth about the best way to explain this. The best thing I can say is that the value of it is not based on a hard value asset such as gold or silver, and it's also not controlled by a central government. It's really based on the market, right? So as anything, the value of something or the price of something is based on what people are willing to pay. Right. So if you say a ticket for this concert is a hundred dollars, but all of a sudden 
somebody's like, no, 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 I really want to go. Listen, I'll give you $200 for it. Ooh, all of a sudden, price gone up because there's somebody out there who's willing to pay 200 It's like if you're trying to sell your house, if you know the value of your house technically, technically, is $100,000. But I come to you and say, listen, I really like the location. I'll give you 150 Who are you going to sell it to? You can sell it to me. You're going to take the 150, 150 right? So all of a sudden, the price is now 150 and then somebody comes behind and says, no, 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 no. I really, it's a bit in war at this point. I really like 175 Okay, you go into that person. Now, price gone up again. Then the next thing you know, somebody's checking out the house and they realize, hey, the plumbing in that house is bad. When you, if you get the house to fix it, it's going to cost you $75,000. What happened? Listen, I can't pay you $175,000 if I got to fix this plumbing. I only give you 100 Boom. Price gone back down. So you see how like the, the price of this thing is really not being controlled by a government but it's being controlled by what people are really willing to pay. Supply and demand. Yeah, or... the supply and demand. Uh, what people are willing to pay, the bid and the ask. It's, it's, it's moving similar, not exactly, similar to how stocks move out there. So it depends on what people are willing to sell for and what people are willing to buy for. The problem or the challenge that we have with the cryptocurrencies, dun, 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 dun. right? Here, here comes the kicker. Somebody's like, oh, this sounds good, right? The problem or the challenge that everybody's trying to figure out right now is that with traditional assets such as stocks and bonds and different kind of papers like that, they've been around long enough for us to have some kind of intelligent logic about why movements are happening. For example, just now, we know that the, house, the value of your house went down because an issue with the plumbing was just discovered. Okay, boom. That's a, that makes sense. With the cryptocurrencies, it's not that clear. With stocks, okay, um, new iPhone coming out, price about to go up. We already know. New product coming out. Okay. Uh, the Suez Canal in in uh, whatever is blocked, or there's a chip shortage going on right now because of the pandemic and the silicon this and that. that they can't put out enough phones. They're not going to be able to sell as many iPhones. We already know price probably going to go down because they can't hit the revenue. So you don't need to be a financial expert to kind of rationally think like, okay, if they can't sell that many phones, they won't make as much money. So that means the company probably won't be worth as much as we thought. An easier example is during the lockdown. All flights were grounded, so all airline stocks and cruise were ship. pretty much and cruise ships were pretty much five dollars. Exactly, you know? exactly. So you see, how, without without being a financial expert, when you talk about those kind of more traditional assets, you can common sense it through for the most part and see why things are happening. When it comes to the cryptocurrencies, somewhere between they haven't been around long enough, and also between they don't move like any rational thing. Why you think they're moving? It, it's very sporadic and volatile right now. So you'll see, that's why you see Bitcoin. Oh, Bitcoin is pushing toward 50,000. Next day, boy, we're at 23,000. It's just like... <laughs> Have you seen the tax commercial where the guy says, I'm rich. And then he's like, I'm not rich. I'm a millionaire. I'm not a millionaire. So there's a, it's tax time. Hilarious. So there's a commercial. And then the expert says, we are a crypto expert, so you don't have to worry about this. We'll take care of that when you're doing your taxes. So it goes through these phases where the first time he's rich, he's going to the club. Yep. And then when he realized that he wasn't rich, he's like, oh, gosh. The next time he's rich, he's packing up to leave his job. So essentially, it feels very volatile and unstable. Yep. But still, yet a lot of people are getting into it. And I, and I know the audience is like, yeah, it don't sound stable. But why are people willingly like eating this up yeah. what's all the craze so this is the thing the, and experts argue back and forth and i'll put this game out there i don't claim to be a crypto expert I'll, i might actually claim that there are no quote-unquote crypto experts yet because it's not been out there long enough but part of the issue is this it depends on how you view cryptocurrencies and I, as we mentioned before when we were talking i think yesterday or early this morning 
let's just let's just clear up one one confusion right here. Like Bitcoin is Bitcoin, okay? Bitcoin is a, as in one of many, 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 many cryptocurrencies. Bitcoin is not many, many. Bitcoin is not the blockchain. And I'm not saying this to kind of condescend to anybody. We're literally just trying to clear it up for somebody who might be, you know, you're hearing all this stuff all over the place. So Bitcoin is not the blockchain. Uh, and it's not just one blockchain. Blockchain is a concept. It's a way of doing things, a way of storing and organizing data. Right? So there's several blockchains. Bitcoin has its own blockchain. Ethereum operates on a separate blockchain. People build blockchains for different things, right? So it's a concept, right? It's not, it's not a one place. Uh, just like the metaverse is not just this Facebook thing. Right? There can be multiple metaverses. It's a concept of a way of doing things. So the, the Bitcoin and the cryptocurrency thing comes in here. We got to decide or we're trying to decide, is Bitcoin or are Bitcoin and these different quote unquote cryptocurrencies really currencies or are they assets as in a store of value, right? a collectible, so to speak? Because if you tell me it's a currency, right? when you start getting into the definition of currency, part of what makes a currency work is that there's an agreement between a large group of people um, that it is currency, one. Two, that the value is fairly understandable. If, if I give you a $100 bill today, you take it because you feel confident that tomorrow and the week after that, it's still going to be worth $100. But if I give you $100 today and you don't know, if I give you, forget that, if I give you $100 at nine o'clock in the morning and you don't know <laughs> if by 10 o'clock that it's only going to be worth, you know, 99 or cryptocurrency world, 40. <laughs> like okay. that's a problem. Cause you don't know if I just paid you a hundred dollars or if I paid you if I paid you 40. 40. It's weird. So it's mm-hmm. it's difficult to use it as a currency, which is why it's a curious case, for example, down here by me. I'm in Panama. So down here in our neighbor uh, El Salvador, who decided to adopt Bitcoin as an actual national acceptable currency, it's a weird kind of thing. Because you're a store and somebody pays you in Bitcoin, they paid you, you know, whatever, XYZ point whatever bitcoin for, for sake of conversation they paid you 100x whatever in bitcoin but for this product and you don't know did they, did they just pay me 100 because when i go and check the value of bitcoin one hour later it's down to whatever so like it's, it's moving so much by such large leaps and bounds it's really difficult for a lot of people to accept it as a quote-unquote currency currencies move but it's like they get these big jumps how do we feel comfortable so let me stop because you've explained in a very basic way, but the gist of what I'm getting and what I'm experiencing, Bitcoin and all the other cryptocurrencies are operating in the same level of volatility as stocks, as I know. That, that's what it feels like more. up and down. It's more volatile, mm-hmm. but for anyone listening familiar with the stock market, yeah. oh, the stock market opened at this. It traded at this. Mm-hmm. You know, this stock was, you know, Apple stock opened at 100. At the end of the day, it was at 200 because they came up with a fancy thing and then it dropped. Yep. It feels more like how stocks move up and down traded throughout the day right. as opposed to currency. Because if somebody give me $5 today, it's a, it will be $5 tomorrow. It will be five dollars next week, unless it is a it's a foreign con- currency mm-hmm. outside of the cu- country that I live in. Yeah. So that's the gist that I'm getting about cryptocurrency. Currency may be a misnomer in this. Yeah, and case, th- and it's a debate. It's a debate. So I'm not saying yes or no, but this that is exactly the debate that's happening. So some people are on the side of no, it can't be a currency because it's, I can't use it to actually buy anything. 
One, because the value is going all over the place. And two, because it's not widely accepted. So how is it a currency? Like what can I, like where, besides El Salvador and a couple of places now that I accept in Bitcoin, it's, it's becoming more common, right, as we go along. And then other side of the, of the fence, other school of thought is saying, no, it's not a currency. It's an asset type for a store of value. Just like gold. It's a thing or, or land or, you know, like it's, it's a thing where you, you buy it and you're holding onto it in the expectation that the value of it is going to go up so that you can sell it at a later date for more money. Right. So I think that's part of. Again, behaving like stocks. Yeah. Because that's you, you, stocks people on it, maybe for the capital gains side of it. Right. Uh, and, and this is where you come into the NFTs world as well. People are buying it at X price because their hope or the expectation is that this thing will go up in value. Uh, later on. So that's that's where we're kind of at with this whole thing. The different cryptocurrencies and so on, they have different levels of use. Some are more flexible. Some are more able to be used. For example, if you start talking about Ethereum and some of the different ones out there, they may be more practical. Um, the other issue or problem we have with the cryptocurrencies, and it's very depending on which one you're talking about, is the time it takes to complete a transaction. So if you're in a store and I hand you the money right now, boom, transaction done, right? If I send you the wire transfer or MoneyGram, you know, like, all right, next, depending on how much money they want to take from you, you get in a couple hours, a day, whatever, whatever. But, you know, it's you, you have an exact time. With some cryptocurrency, it's not that quick. It can take a, a significant amount of time, days, a week, depending on what. I mean, it's, it's changing all the time. It's getting better. So that's the issue as well. If you're going to use something like Bitcoin as, as a day-to-day in a store, by the time the transaction settled couple of days later or whatever it is, I'm already gone. Well, you might go up or Yeah, down. and I'm already gone. I already gone about my business. You're not going to see me again. Mm-hmm. So that's part of the trouble. And this is not me bashing uh, cryptocurrencies at all, by the way. This is just me explaining the nuts and bolts of what we're dealing with. Right? So, you, so if you decide to go in or not, you understand the real story of what's going on. What is happening or the direction we're going, though, is that it's becoming, this is a, the, the, the benefits to it, is that it's becoming more common and more widely accepted as we as we go on here. Why? Because it's not controlled by a central government or, or, or large banks and that kind of stuff, it's a way, for example, especially since we're on the Caribbean, Caribbean American podcast here, it's a way for Caribbean people, especially now, if you move into these spaces where banks, especially U.S. banks, have been what they call de-risking from the Caribbean region, right? Inside school, what's been going on. This has been happening for the last like six or seven years where they're just deciding, you know what, we're not dealing with the Caribbean region anymore. We don't want, we don't want to deal with a Caribbean bank because you may not realize this, but if you're going to deal in U.S. currency... For me to send 1,000 US dollars from Jamaica to UK, it actually has to touch through a US bank because that's their money. And then that US bank will forward the money on. That's how it actually works. You don't, it doesn't skip directly. So you have what we call a correspondent bank in between. And this is where if you ever had to really do a wire transfer, you notice it's kind of complicated and they have a whole bunch of lines and you got to put this here. And Swift code. Swift code and all. And the, all this kind of, that's what's really going on in the background. There's a chain of banks that are kind of bouncing it along. And that's kind of why you have to pay the fees. Well, every little bank that touches it, they want a little, they want a tip. Oh, well, you know, we're going to charge you a little bit for this, a little bit of that. Um, so you have the correspondent banks going on in there. And that's why you end up getting this thing happening. So they've been de-risking and just deciding, you know what? We don't want to deal with the, we don't want to deal with the Caribbean region and, and all this stuff. The, the account size isn't big enough. Oh, they're on this and that, European Union, blacklist, blah, blah, blah. So Caribbean banks and Caribbean people, by, by extension, have been having a lot of difficulty doing business. You know, these are some of the reasons why you see like certain things. You have like Stripe doesn't work in certain countries or PayPal. And, we have, you know, there's all this kind of stuff going on. This is the reason that in the background. Uh, so when you jump into the crypto world now, we don't have to have that conversation. Kiriana is in Jamaica. 
and she does some work for me editing my podcast or whatever it is, and I need to pay her, boom, I send it directly to you. There's no middleman. I don't have to, we don't have to figure out like, well, straight working in your country. No, Venmo, no. Um, cash at me, no. Uh, cut all that stuff out. I can just send you something of value that we agree on directly. No, no middleman banker in between charging this fee and that fee. I mean, the crypto exchanges and so on, they charge a small fee. There's definitely nowhere near what all the different banks and so on are going to charge. So that's where it's starting to open up a whole other world where it's possible for us to do business with each other without having all these, so much static in between. So the big banks and so on, they're going to make up big things. And oh, they don't like that because they're losing money. They're losing control. But really and truly, if you check it out, they're quietly involved in this as well. Banks and stuff especially, they're here to make money. I'm going to say we because I'm a banker, but right now, you know, playing Rebels, so I can't really see the we. They're here to make money. <laughs> so, yes, they're going to play the traditional route saying, no, we don't want this in the come, this and that other. But quietly, they're buying cryptocurrency themselves. They're setting up their, their crypto divisions and they're playing ball with this kind of stuff. They have, even if it's under a separate name, right, they'll, they'll create a subsidiary right, or some side company. They'll set up some other thing that you don't realize is actually the same company to deal with the crypto stuff because they're like, listen, we don't want this, but just in case this thing pops off, we don't want to be left behind. They have their toe in it already. Oh, yeah. Governments are involved. I mean, you, you see it, like yeah. you see governments all around the world not talking about, oh, we're getting ready to launch our own central government digital currency. You see that pop out, pop that, that, that phrase pop out, central government digital currency, China and all these kind of places. Now, the problem with that is, as one article, I'll send you the article from... <laughs> It's actually from Edward Snowden, the, the guy who leaked out a lot of information about what the U.S. was doing. But if you read his article, it actually is really a really good thought-provoking article. Uh, he was talking about these central government digital currencies where by doing that, they're actually taking us back to where we were before. Because if the central government is now controlling the cryptocurrency and they decide, you know what, all, all the cryptocurrencies are illegal. You can't use any of those. You can only use this one that we created and we monitor and we issue. We're back to square one again. Yeah. You see what I mean? So that's that's part of the challenge. Yes, it's great because it will help with the adoption of the concept of using digital currency and that kind of stuff because they will kind of force it on everybody. But the problem is we're back to square one again where you know they can monitor everything and see what you're doing. And they would, and you know, people will say, well, that's good because we don't want terrorists and, and money laundering and this and that because you, know, you can't identify who sent money from one place to the next if they're, if they're using this cryptocurrency stuff. And I laugh when I hear this kind of argument because I'm like, yo, we can't. That's already I'm like, yeah, that's, that's called money. money. Yeah. Like, <laughs> that's, yeah. that's, that's what we have right now. All right. It's interesting because you mentioned NFT. So ex exactly what's NFTs? Because it seems like it's more of a collectible where artists put out one of a kind stuff and let's make this a collectible. I, I mean, that's what it feels like right now. yeah the, the nft space is really interesting uh and uh, I'll, I'll give a light touch on it i don't get into too much of the details because i don't know all the details but nft first of all to, to get the basics out non-fungible token and non-fungible you can think of it as non-transferable it's unique there's one of these things this is this is the thing like carrie-ann is non-fungible right got Did that right. listening <laughs> all right <laughs> like, you can't just pick up and you can't just pick up and i don't know create a copy you can't just like you can create a photocopy you can screenshot it or whatever it is but it's still not going to be the real deal you know what i mean there's still this one particular one with this serial number it's non-fungible you can't go and make a copy this is a non-fungible token so building on that concept right you get into an interesting space where you use that concept to build a whole bunch of stuff the fact that you can create a digital thing 
even though in the digital world, obviously we could screenshot, we could forward, we could, you know, repost, all that kind of stuff. By creating this thing where it's encoded, where you can tell if you really wanted to prove that you had the real one, you had the original, right? You had, if you think about the Matrix, you had the original Agent Smith, not all the million copies that showed up. There's a way to do this now with a non-fungible token concept. And it, it opens up a whole bunch of uses. Now, the most obvious one that we've seen probably recently is artwork. Right? So somebody creates a thing and says, this is my NFT collection. Here's my, I'm issuing 500 of these. So you, there are 500 originals out there and people can buy them up. So that's the first thing we see. The interesting thing about this now, it opens up a whole can of worms, good worms, right? Of opportunity, I should say, for artists. So for example, if I am Picasso, I'm, I'm you know, or whoever. That's exactly what I was thinking. All these shows we've watched with, you know, like fake or forged yeah. artwork. If they had this stuff, the, the, it opens a whole bunch of good things for artists. We will start with the actual physical visual artist, right? Normally, you paint something, you sell it, you get paid. Now, it's you, you sell it to me. So now it's my painting. When I sell it back to the next person or sell it over to the next person, you don't get paid because you sold it to me. It's mine now. I get whatever. If you, you sell it to me for, for 1000 and then you die, and now you're famous, and I sell it for $1 million. Cool, that money is mine. You don't get paid again. When you jump into the NFT world now, because we can actually trace and track the movement of that particular artwork, that digital artwork, it opens things for artists like, an artist can sell something one time, they can sell this piece of art, and in the NFT, they can have it programmed where, okay, let's say the first time I get $100 for it. When you sell it to the next person, I won't get a full $100, but maybe I get a 1% commission every time it's sold and resold and resold and resold and resold. So you see now it's over a case where for the creatives and the artists, uh, you can start having more recurring income because you're not just making the money on that one time when you spend a year creating this beautiful work of art and then you sell it one time at an art gallery and it's gone and a story, but you can start making money multiple times. So let me stop you right there. So, um, so let's say an artist. So... My friend Mark was on the podcast. He's an artist. He does this really large piece. What is the actual transaction? Is he is he's like, okay, let me pick up this painting. Here, Dallin, here's the painting. What's like break it down? Like, what is the exchange there? Like, I because trying to understand that. Because we've gone from a digital currency to this NFT, but how does it apply to physical items if that if that makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and and the and the jump the jump is kind of confusing and it, and it has I think I think the, the best way to understand it is from a contractual or ownership perspective. So, for example, I was listening to one of the podcasts I listen to all the time is called the Daily Tech News Show, DTNS. And one of the examples they were giving of this is for example, someone using the NFT concept to buy a house, right? To to transfer a house from one person to make a sale for a house. So what they do is, what they did in this case, and I think there are some states that are actually making this legal. I think it was Florida they mentioned on there. I might have to go back and check. But they essentially say, okay, the ownership of this house or in regular investing terms, you might say the shares, right? The shareholders of this house, the shares of this house are owned by Kerry. But in this case, we say, look, the shares of this house are owned by this NFT, right? The same way you could say this house is owned by this company. Right? And this is something that's very common. Like, you know, I have properties that are not in my name. It's, oh, it's in a company name. If I ever want to sell the house, I don't really need to sell the whole house. If I sell the company, boom. If I sell the company to you, you own, I mean, obviously you own everything that the company owns. So now you own the house. So the same thing with NFTs. 
people are thinking about doing things like, all right, I'm going to put the ownership of this house in this NFT, right? So this house is owned by this NFT or the ownership contract to make it, if that's a good analogy, is in this NFT. So if I want to sell this house, I can either go to the traditional route, you get a lawyer, blah, 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 you do the whole thing, you go to, you know, you go to transaction, the usual traditional route. Or if I sell this NFT, which owns the house, I've technically just sold the house. Just like how if I sell the company that owns the house, I've technically just sold the house. So those are some of the applications people are seeing there as well. And I say this all with a grain of salt just because the space is hot right now and evolving. So, you know, between the time we put this out, you might see other applications, things might change. I put that disclaimer or caveat out there that it's a rapidly evolving space. So we might say something tonight that might be absolutely true and, you know, the space might change soon and, and you know, it's just a different way of doing things. Just to give a general understanding of how some of the stuff would work. And you see the artists, the music artists and that kind of stuff are using this as well. Like, yo, tickets for my show or my album is coming out via this NFT, et cetera, et cetera. Because now you can sell a ticket for the show and for a premium, you can sell an NFT on top of that. Like, yo, I went to the XYZ release concert and I got one of the NFT tickets. So I'm now, you feel more special. Like I had one of the 500, I'm a ride or die fan. You know, I had one of the 500 mm-hmm. X uh, NFTs that was issued with this. And I own that. I had the first five, one of the first 500 tickets. And I don't just have like the email from Ticketmaster. I have like the actual, you know, <laughs> I have something to say that I've had one of the 500. You know what I mean? It's, it's that kind of stuff we're talking about. And again, it's all mental. It's all about what people feel is valuable in their head. I'm glad that you opened up with like the history of how money and exchange. We've gone through cryptocurrency, understanding Bitcoin and all these other, and I use Bitcoin because it's become like a general term. People interchange with cryptocurrency and now we're into NFTs, Mm -hmm. but it really feels like as a, it really comes back to have a basic understanding of, of how the concept of money works. And I think for us as people of the Caribbean, we have a very different relationship with money. The way that people talk about it, everybody wants to get rich quick. That's the way that I've seen that application. This is a gold rush. You get on here because we're about to be billionaires or millionaires. But I think if we take on that mindset, we have to assume a level of risk. I mean, the Caribbean people don't like failure. Q, mommy may get 90 from my mats with the next 10% exactly. there. So that's, that's a failure. You know, risk. I remember a couple of years ago, I was at a conference and I remember when the woman said, yeah, you know, Caribbean look at entrepreneurship differently because we are risk averse or failure averse because we, we have a culture that says failure is not an option. So if we're dealing with NFTs or cryptocurrency or even stocks mm-hmm. we have to assume a level of risk and just like i mean hundred dollar in a hundred whatever crypto bitcoin whatever is going to change and so what is the mindset as caribbeans our caribbean americans that we need to start adopting in order to be better with money and understanding that you know, how our parents may have taught us about money, then put it in the brazier or under the mattress. <laughs> <you know? laughs> or, we, or, or, or we didn't go to the bank. We had Thrift Club, yep. right? How are we going to have to adjust? It's not that our parents or our grandparents and my grandmother was, you know, I had to help her log Thrift Club <laughs> collection money. I, I have been that person. So 
And it's not that they were wrong. It's what they had at the time as vehicles Mm. for saving. And so how are we adjusting that in order to participate? Because as you said, you didn't come on here to bash it. You really came on to explain it. But in order to explain and participate, we have to also know that the way that we've traditionally viewed money has to change. What are some of those mindset shifts that you think we have to adapt? Yeah, absolutely. It's a, it's a brilliant question. First of all, let me just put out there my disclaimer that I should, I should have said at the beginning, I'm not your financial advisor. Any information I gave her is strictly for educational and, and, and entertainment purposes only. If, please consult your actual financial advisor for any advice you take and any action you decide to take based on what we hear on this podcast is your responsibility not oars. That being said, um, <laughs> seriously, uh, I, I'm trying not to lose my license over here. But yeah, to speak to the thing you're talking about, what I would say is, I think you start out with the right point that don't go jumping into cryptocurrency and crypto or digital and digital currency investing or whatever you want to call it if you don't understand investing principles. You know what I mean? Like you need you need to understand money. You know, and this is why we started with this background of what's actually happening. You need you need to understand that the paper in your pocket is fake. It's an agreement. You could have racks on racks on racks, stacks on stacks right now. Hubba da 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 whatever you want. You can have it all right now. But if tomorrow morning stores decided, hey, we're not really feeling green paper anymore. Boom, it's worthless. You know what I mean? It, it, it's, it doesn't make any sense. Or it's just like when you you could have your credit card and your Apple Pay and all that kind of stuff, the internet goes down, worthless, right? So you, you got to understand how this stuff works uh, and understand, I would say, even if you're going into the crypto world, whatever it is, you still need to understand basic investment principles, how stuff works, why stuff is doing what it does. So that when you're looking at this crypto stuff, you're not just in there shooting in the dark, hoping for the best to see what happens, but you actually are starting to understand what you're doing and what kind of risk you're taking on. And just because something is risky, that doesn't mean don't do it, right? You just need to make sure that the amount of, for the amount of risk that you're taking on, one, that you're willing to take that amount of risk, you can afford that kind of risk. And two, that there's a, there's a good enough return to, to, to validate it on, on the other side. So that's the first thing I would say in, in entering this, this kind of space. Specifically for the cryptos right now, it's a very volatile space. And I think it's a space, especially as Caribbean people, that we need to pay attention to and get involved in, I would say. This is a personal, this is an opinion, right? It's not telling you what to do or not do. Uh, we should get involved and pay attention to this space because I think, especially for Caribbean people, it can, I don't know if it will, but it very well can be something that's going to be very, uh, you, I, this, I don't know what the Spanish word came to mind. It's going to be something very useful <laughs> to to us uh, as far as we're trying to, us trying to make transactions and do business across the Caribbean, because as you know, in the Caribbean right now, it's ridiculous, man. Like, besides the besides the liat and the inter Caribbean and all the other stupidness that's stopping us from just moving between islands simply, to do business across the Caribbean, it's a headache. I can't like, what I don't understand why if I'm in the British Virgin Islands where I'm from, I can't hire easily and pay Carrie or whoever it is in Jamaica and somebody from Antigua, we, we got to get to the point as a Caribbean for us to thrive where the Caribbean itself, financially at least, operates like the U.S., where we can hop and move. I, I guess that's what they were trying to do at CARICOM. But we need to be able to move and do business with each other and collaborate freely as if, we don't have to be necessarily all in one unit like the States, but we need to be able to move as if we were states where I can easily uh, collaborate with somebody else. Now, the, the general money mindset, 
as far as the getting rich quick and that kind of stuff, people go in, I mean, it might happen. You know, just like you played a lottery, it might, you might win. But, you know, you probably have to play it a lot of times and lose. Uh, and the, the probability of winning is not that high. The cryptocurrency thing is like, yo, it, you might you might hit it big, you might not, right? What you want to do all the time is kind of diversify your risk. And for the cryptocurrency space right now, what I would say is if you're going into it, only go into it. This would be my, my financial suggestion educationally and in, entertainmently or whatever. Only go into it with as much money as you're willing to lose. And this, this is the mindset I've had. I mean, this, I've seen clients go into it and different people before and, and they'll say, look, this is the kind of word they use. Like, I can throw, I can throw a hundred thousand at it. And when they say that, what they mean is, for them, that's that's petty cash. Like, if it works out, great. If it doesn't work out, I'm not gonna die. If you know you can't sit down and stomach losing ten thousand dollars, that's gonna hurt. You're gonna die. You're gonna be broke and homeless tomorrow. Don't put in ten thousand. If you can, if you say ah, five hundred dollars, I could put it in and see what happens. I could, I could start off with that, and you know, I'm not gonna die if it goes all all the way. Cool, start with that. You know what I mean? But don't put it any more than you know you can't afford to lose altogether. But a general money mindset, from what I've seen, and when I when I when I talk about the money mindset, I'm I'm talking from the perspective of the high net worth clients that I've been dealing with over the last, I don't know, eight to ten years and seeing how they built their money and the things they do and the things they invest in. The money isn't really built quick. Like long money. When I say long money, I'm talking about long money as in maintenance money, like money that's built on systems that generate money to where by the second or third generation, they're not really working. They're just making sure they don't mess up the system. That kind of money, that's the kind of money we need to be trying to build. Not some, oh, Bitcoin went up today and now I'm rich. And then like you said in the beginning, oh, you know, I'm poor poor again. I'm poor. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I'm lit. I'm lit. I'm back. I'm back, baby. Wait. Oh, crap. No, 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 no. You know, that stuff is cool. I mean, you can do the cryptocurrency thing, you know, don't get me wrong, but don't get all hyped into that trend alone and forget to diversify and have your stocks, have your bonds, have other things that you're going to have your real estate, have your land, that kind of stuff. You want to diversify and have a portfolio of different things that are that are making you money, not just, oh, I'm going down the NFT route alone and this is my hope and glory. Yes. Oh my goodness. I mean, we haven't talked about money on the podcast in such a long time and Dalan came and we kind of packed a lot into this episode, but I think it's one of those episodes that I know Carry On Friends listeners are going to reference again because NFT, cryptocurrency, mm-hmm. Bitcoin, investing, period. I mean, and we can keep the conversation going in terms of if people want to slide in, slide into the DMs, respectfully. Slide into the DMs. <laughs> Let me know what your <laughs> questions are. Let me just hit me on Twitter. I hang out on Twitter a lot. I'm at Dallin Vanterpool, D-A-L-A-N. Uh, V-A-N-T-E-R-P-O-O-L you can find it just look up Dallin Vanderpool uh, Kerry can throw it in the show notes find me on Twitter Instagram all that kind of stuff slide in the DMs let me know what's good and you know beg Kerry if we need to do uh, uh, island people yeah we're gonna spaces. you know for beg yeah 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 we'll do it we'll do it we'll do it and also I mean this is I mean Dallin is is my, my podcast BFF so he'll always be back on the show again um, we'll see who's gonna compete and beat Michaela for how many appearances on this podcast but I mean, Dallin, thank you again, audience. I know you have questions. If you have more questions, just let me know because, you know, as Dallin said, you know, we have to get into the space of generational wealth building. And that doesn't always mean an overnight gold rush, get rich quick. That might happen for some people, but not for everybody. So we have to prepare for the future. And quite honestly, I think, you know, me and Michaela was talking, you know, 
you know, cryptocurrency, we may not be as savvy, but you know who will be savvy? We pick yep. me them. Are them going <laughs> to be savvy? Listen, listen. You see when them are come and ask the money for, be, for play Roblox? Yep. So, if, listen, if you're not a parent, if you're a parent, you might know this. If you're not a parent, but an auntie, uncle, god, somebody, god, parent, your niece, nephew, god, kids, them are play Roblox, Fortnite. <laughs> listen, back in the day, you had we, yeah, pay money for bike currency or whatever so you can buy stuff in the Wii or in this case Roblox and Fortnite them are buy skins for dance all them foolishness there I mean but they're gonna be the ones who are savvy and so the same way we are talked to appearance like mommy come now man do it this yep. way or kids are gonna be talking to us the exactly. same way about cryptocurrency and NFTs and we'll all live and sit around the virtual fireside and say you remember you remember when we was talking about it? Yes, I know this little snap nose pitney is coming to tell me. <laughs> <laughs> That's exactly what's gonna happen. So again, love having you on the show. We should do a podcast together because I, I I I'll be your sidekick and you just do your 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 <laughs> your morning drive radio voice. I'm I'm here for it. Anytime, here. anytime. I'll be your Robin to your Let's Howard. go. Let's go. Let's do it. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, everyone. Until next time, walk good. You've been listening to Carry On Friends, a show about the Caribbean American experience produced by Breadfruit Media. We post a new episode every two weeks on Tuesday. And if you're looking to learn more, buy our merch or sign up for a newsletter, check out carryonfriends.com or find us on all social media platforms at Carry On Friends.